so far, the year 2020 has been just impossible. So here at How Star Wars Is It, we decided we would try out a new tradition that'll get us through the end of this year. So for the last week of every month until the end of 2020, we'll be covering a Mission Impossible film in chronological order. So that means this week we're starting off with Mission Impossible. How Star Wars is it? Well, hey there, Mike. Hi, Josiah, <laughs> and good morning to all of and our listeners. <laughs> to our listeners, welcome to the show. Welcome to How Star Wars Is It. This is the only podcast. Yep. And it's I gotta be the okay only podcast that. of two white guys talking about a Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, well, and to, to even go further, almost certainly the only one where they're trying to look at it through the lens of a Star Wars movie. Oh, that's true. Because here one would on hope. How Star Wars Is It, we ask the question, mm-hmm. how Star Wars is it mm-hmm. of movies or of sports or of yeah. drinks or of yes. food or of TV? Uh-huh. <laughs> All of it. And we don't care about how good it is or how bad it is. We care about how Star Wars it is. Yes. That's all we're worried about. For example, have you ever walked out of a movie and you were like, wow, that was kind of like Star Wars, even though it was, say, Pirates of the Caribbean? Mm -hmm. I thought you were saying, like, have you ever walked out of a movie like you were like, wow, this is like Star Wars. This fucking sucks. I'm out of (laughs) here. And you just like leave. Have you ever have walked, you ever out, walked of out of a movie? Oh, <laughs> you just asked the same question. I, I haven't. I um, one time got, uh, got kicked out. Ca- the, the one time ever that I went to an R-rated movie with friends and I wasn't Ooh. 17 yet, but I was 16 because I drove there. Um, uh, we were, I'm sure, being like goofy fucking 16-year-olds and many, some of whom were in fact 17. Uh, and some usher came in. No, in fact, I think it was like a cop. I think they had like a what? cop at the movie theater and came in and was like, hey, do you guys have your IDs? And I was like, oh, I left mine in my car. <laughs> and we <laughs> left the one time ever. That R-rated movie was Sweeney Todd. <laughs> <laughs> so that's wow. the only time You're... I've ever walked out in the sense of like I was in the theater and then I left and didn't come back. But I've never actually left a movie, even if I was like, this is a bad movie. So I I don't think I've ever left a movie theater. Um, although the but there was this one time in one of the shows I was in back in the day. It was like a summer stock show, and we were all uh, we would do like we would do like Thursday night movie nights or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, we watched The Fall one week, which is like one of my favorite movies, and it's very like artistic or whatever. And then I can't remember the freaking director, but the director has another movie. I think it's called The Cell. But it's very weird and gross, and there's a lot of like body horror and like weird like gore stuff, and it's very like mind trippy and bendy and shit. Yeah. And I just I just didn't like it. And it, about 20 minutes in, uh, there's like there's a part where like a horse gets just like chopped into six segments at Ugh. once, and you, and you just like see it. And, and I think at that point I was like, um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Goodbye, and everyone. <laughs> the guy who had like recommended it was like, Oh, but this is like it's such an interesting movie. And I was like, I don't actually want to watch this, I think. This is kind of <laughs> gross to me, so I'm gonna leave. And then I just left. Yeah. And then like five of my of my other friends who were there also left immediately afterwards and they're like, Thank you so much for saying something because I also was hating it and I wanted to go, but I felt too awkward. And I was like, Hey, I'll always be the person to awkwardly <laughs> say that something sucks and then leave. <laughs> I have so, cuz because I don't feel ashamed. So if you're thinking that now, listener, please don't uh turn off the <laughs> podcast. Or actually I I guess I don't really care if you do, but before you completely get rid of us altogether, could you leave us a five-star review? Yeah. But we're talking about so we're talking about the Mission Impossible films. That's right. Specifically the first one in right. the series. So this one came out in what, like ninety six or something like that? Nineteen ninety six. Oh, good guess. Um, yeah. And so Mike, Mike, Mike had the idea to do these because these are some of your favorite flicks, right, Mike? Yes. And every so often, I'm like, I'm gonna watch all of them. So this year, I finally just bought the like Blu-ray set with all six yes. of them. And then of course, you get like the digital download code, which is dope. Yeah. Shout out to. Voodoo, <laughs> voodoo. I, I, I think I'd only the first one I saw was I believe Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, maybe, mm. or it might have been Mission Impossible Three. I can't remember. Um, are those the same? I can't remember. They are anyway, not. I haven't seen all of them. I've only seen like one or two. Yeah, and I remember really liking the one I saw, and uh, but I had never watched it, so I watched Mission Impossible for the first time today. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was really cool. I was uh, I, I took a, I took a couple of notes, but um, I'm, I'm interested I'm to hear them because I I so I've been watching them all lately. I've probably I've watched four over the past month, give or take. So I still haven't rewatched five and six. I've seen them all at least like once or twice. Um, I'm excited to rewatch five and six because whenever I rank them, I'm always like four is my favorite Ghost Protocol because of. It's it's the same way that like you you talk about like Return of the Jedi you know like mm-hmm. it might not be the best movie but it has my favorite parts in it right um, right like he runs uh, down the side of the tallest building in the world like a fucking yes. maniac <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that's that's one of the things I want to talk about with you, and I'm excited to to cover more of them as we go because the escalation in these movies of Ethan Hunt and like what he is ab- able to do. And like what his team is able to do is is sort right. of similar to like the Fast and the Furious movies, which I also haven't seen, but you know <laughs> what I've heard about, right? Right, right. But I've but heard like, that same thing that they go from like street racing movies to yes, like superhero well, movies. Similarly to like a uh, uh, a Die Hard, right? Like John McClane goes from like just a sort of everyday dude to like you know in the right. newer ones and like the 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 one they made with like Justin Long or whoever, it was like he was a superhero like level ability to survive and you know do incredible feats of human prowess or whatever and right. i was uh you know in this first one though it's sort of a pretty in the first first mission impossible it's sort of a much more standard spy movie and there's a lot right. of like ooh intrigue yeah. double and there's cool like technology yeah. and stuff like there's there's like the here's the loadout here's the plan but there was less of right. the stuff that I'd seen in, like, I remember specifically in Mission Impossible 4, like, that crazy, you know, scene of him, like, running on that building. And I was like... Right. Or, like, that scrim that they push down the hallway that, like, projects yes. the background. You know, like, like science fiction level, yes. like, uh, gadgets. Whereas the first one has the masks, but, like, a, not a lot of, like, goofy James Exploding gum <laughs> that's, that's used, that's brought back twice. Right, right. Which is like, oh, that probably actually exists. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so I was, I was waiting, and this one, I was like, "When's he gonna do something just really crazy?" And then right. it, it was kind of at the very end, like the uh, spoilers from all these movies, I guess. But uh, like the very end on the train, whenever he's like yeah. chasing John Voight on the train while it's moving, I was like, "Okay, this is what I was waiting for." Tom Cruise right. doing something insane, showing off a, 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 an impressive feat of athletic ability. You know what's so crazy, since we are speaking specifically about this movie, but also within the greater context of all the Mission Impossible movies? Mm-hmm. That scene, that, that whole train sequence, the, the top of it, and then also like the helicopter in the tunnel, for some reason, I feel is a little shark jumpy. And I know that in later movies, he like is underwater for like five minutes and doesn't <laughs> die or like runs down the tallest building in the world. But for some reason, the like helicopter in the tunnel with the train was like no this isn't real this couldn't happen (laughs) i think maybe it's because it's the first time it does something like that in the franchise right because the movie is really like small and grounded for the most part and then like there's there's a lot of like crazy set piece yeah there's a lot of globe hopping in the movie but you're like mostly it's like okay here's the first thing it's at it's at this like i don't know ball or whatever where all these fancy people are and then people die and then the later one where they're trying to like break into Langley, it pretty much all takes place in the vault. Like there's nothing else really going on except just, just the vault. So then when they do move to a train and they're like, like, you know, chasing each other on top of a high speed train, it does feel like you've catapulted into a different kind of movie where you're like, Whoa. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know this was this yeah, kind of movie. Right. But me, me having seen the other ones first, I was waiting for that moment. Cause I was like, there is going to be like a part of this movie where it's like, there's no way a human being could do that or survive this. And like it happened. Right. And I was like, okay, this feels, this feels like what I have. I am accustomed to thinking about mission impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't remember now. Cause I have watched four in the past couple of weeks, but um, the gum, some, mm-hmm. some, whoever it is that gives it to him tells him, you know, red light, green light, you, yeah. you smash the two together and then it explodes. A, what does that mean? Red, like, <laughs> Like red light and green light are things that yeah. one means stop and one means go. Yeah. So like they, they never it never has meant you put the two together. <laughs> and then the other part of that that's weird is then in that last sequence when he's being chased by a helicopter, which of course I've I've heard this fact before that helicopters are so loud that no one could ever hear one another yelling at each other if they're not wearing headphones. <laughs> like, oh, for sure, so, for sure, for but sure. But he's hanging on the helicopter and he yells across to John Voight, red light, <laughs> green light, and slaps it on the glass. He, John Voight wasn't in the room, to my no. recollection, when he was told the red light, green light no. thing. So was he just watching like... What's he talking about? No, see, so I'm gonna Mike and I are on video, and for the listener, I'm just gonna recreate what what was actually happening. So, Mike, this is what <laughs> this is what John White would have seen. Uh huh. <laughs> Josiah is just sort of flailing and just mouthing words. <laughs> yeah, because there's no way he would have heard it, and if he had heard it, he wouldn't have known it meant. So, in that moment, yeah. I think it was just John Voight realizing, like, that's probably an explosive. I'm yeah, I'm assuming right. that's an explosive. Sure. Because why else would he be making such a big deal of this at this moment? And so John Voight is the guy, the main protagonist from the original television series from like the 60s. Okay. Like Agent yes. Phelps. Okay, that was, so that was what I was wondering about because I was looking up the, you know, how Mission Impossible started. And I uh-huh. didn't realize it was, a, I think somewhere in the back of my mind I knew it was a TV show, but I didn't realize that that was right. like 
it was like a reboot slash continuation of that universe. Right. Which is crazy because like that kind of thing happens all the time. You know, like uh, yeah. there will be like, you know, like the Will Ferrell Bewitched movie or, you know, like yeah. movie adaptations yeah. of shows from the 60s. And this one has just somehow managed to like stick it out. I, I think this movie is a big portion of that because Brian De Palma put it together in such a way that it was very like it took itself very seriously. It wasn't like, yeah. you know, over the top self-serious cause it is still kind of a wacky spy movie, it's, but it's still fun. And I think like a lot of the, re- I, here's the thing, here's the reasons I think mission Impossible has stuck around and when other like trying to revamp things have not. And number one, it is a formula that you can sort of rinse and repeat of like spy movie, mm-hmm. you know, and number two, and, and like I didn't even realize because one of the one of the other ones I saw was Ethan getting like you know him him and his team being like well they're the bad guys now we have to go like the the IMF or whatever being like Ethan and them are evil and we gotta go catch them and I was like they did that in the, this very first movie right was like him having to go rogue like groups to try to being out. disavowed yeah right yeah. And so it's like a rinse and repeat formula for like, you know, spy movies in general. And then also Tom fucking Cruise, because I think he I think if it was a different actor like in this uh, uh, role, it wouldn't be nearly as good or fun. And I think it's just his sheer boyish energy and charisma that like pulls off what could be a movie that's taking itself too seriously right like james bond like the the james bond portrayer even even daniel craig who like they did the the sort of reboot jason bourne tone of like it's more serious it's more like it's less like goofy shit like james bond even as goofy as he ever was like roger moore always was like put together and like would never miss a step. And Ethan always seems like he's kind of flying by the seat of his pants, even though he has already done all the like calculations in his head. It does always still feel like, fuck, he might not make it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's why that why they succeed and why they pull off what they're setting out to do every yeah. time, which to, to bring it to how Star Wars it is, it does feel like there's t- two things. First off, taking something that existed before and like sort of revamping it not a direct property with Star Wars, but taking, you know, like other inspiration. A a campy show from Mm -hmm. days gone by. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's, that's Star Wars. And then secondly, uh, even though all of their plans are very uh, uh, meticulously crafted, there is still in almost every single case in, in this movie, something happens on accident. That is the only reason the plan is able to go to work. Uh, yeah. which is very Star Wars. Like we've talked about in Star right. Wars, they succeed because of luck. And in Mission Impossible, they su- they also succeed oftentimes because of something lucky either happening or just barely not happening. Right. Like the knife falling and landing right next oh to the my computer God. instead right of on the floor. Right when he opens the door. Ugh. That scene, I that that's a scene that I wish I was like old enough at the time to have gone to see that movie in the theater. The, the vault mm-hmm. scene. Holy shit. Like just butthole tightening <laughs> so much so much of this movie i was realizing like oh this is that scene right like this is <laughs> totally. this is that scene that like every movie has tried to do that scene yeah. since then and i was like this is it the hanging the hanging from the roof like mission impossible thing i was like oh it's this is this is literally when it happened yeah. i didn't know that it was like this is what did it this, <laughs> yeah right this movie <laughs> Yeah, but also let me see what my, what notes I wrote. Um, I didn't write a lot about how Star Wars it was, but 
first like off, how Tom, good it is. <laughs> yeah, the first thing I wrote was Tom Cruise is a baby. It's so weird to see him like so <laughs> young looking. Especially though that was like his like primo days. Yeah, that was like late '90s Tom Cruise, you know. Man, dude, uh, even in this movie, you, you know how he always kind of does some bit one big crazy stunt in all the last like three or four movies, and that becomes like uh-huh. the advertising essentially. Even in this movie, he's doing like this isn't a stunt by any means, but when he makes the the knockless disc disappear in his hand like a magic <laughs> trick, he had to have done that practically as a magic trick. Like I'm sure he was like, you know, he's he's just always. Let's let's make magic on film. And I'm sure he just like Literally, trained for like nine or ten days in the mirror that one magic trick so yeah. that like he could shoot that scene. Literally one of the things I wrote down was I love that Tom Cruise learned close up magic for this movie. <laughs> like and maybe he didn't learn anything else except for that one sleight of hand thing of right. making a CD of disappearing a CD. But I was like, I, that's something that they could have faked it with movie magic if they wanted to, but it looked right. like very much that Tom Cruise was just like, yeah, I'll just learn how to do it, I guess. Like, even if they um, did fake it with movie magic, it looked like that trick, you know? Like, I feel like I've seen yes, that yes. trick done with a deck of cards. So, like, he at the very least yeah. mimicked the movements, right? <laughs> yes, it was, it, yeah, it was, that That just made me laugh a lot because I was like, Tom, and other, other than that, it made sense to me that Tom Cruise was one of the people who, like, launched this movie, like, helped start this movie because it wasn't just, like, they cast him. He was like, uh, instrumental in the relaunch of this property because I was like, of course Tom Cruise yeah. wanted to be in a movie where he got to like occasionally be in a in like heavy prosthetic makeup and do a funny voice <laughs> and get to do a couple right. weird characters and then uh, just get to like run because he loves running. Yeah, and he so, loves like, running. Oh man, it's all the stuff that Tom Cruise loves to do, and I'm like, of course he wanted to do. Th- of course he was like, let's do this. <laughs> I I am on board. This is my favorite shit. I love to do. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wrote down about his appearance while uh, was it's I was like, dang. And I, I've had this experience watching uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer with 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 Charlie, my girlfriend, for for new listeners. Uh, but like, it's wild that in this movie too. Movie stars didn't used to have to be bodybuilders. Like they didn't have to be so mm-hmm. jacked. Because like right. you see Tom Cruise, I don't think you see him shirtless in this, but you see his arms a lot. And like he's buff, right? But he's not like the level of ripped that you not have like Wolverine. to be. <laughs> yes, he's not the level of ripped that you have to be to be an action star nowadays. And you see that you see that same thing. Like you mentioned Wolverine in the first X Men movie, Hugh Jackman's in great shape. He looks great, but he's not right. like that lizard man ripped (laughs) and like when i'm watching buffy with 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 charlie it's the same thing like david boreanis is in the first couple seasons and you occasionally see him like you know with with with, you see his arms i don't think he ever really actually i'm not sure if you see him shirtless and he's just like in good shape and there's like a new boyfriend in one of the seasons and you see him shirtless a lot and he's just like once again he looks like he's just in good shape like he's Uh a college track athlete who's like in good shit like he looks like that kind of body and he's not just like it, and i was like it it's like on fucking riverdale now like archie on riverdale is shirtless every other episode and he's just got like these chiseled abs right. and he's like that skinny shredded he's not like you know bodybuilder buff but i was like man back in the late 90s and early 1000s you really could just be a movie star and you didn't have to <laughs> also be a fucking bodybuilder. Totally. You know, it's like funny. I've had the exact scientist. same thought while watching through just probably a dozen now seasons of Survivor. <laughs> the, yeah. the more, the later Survivor seasons have gotten, the more just like hot everybody is. And then there will be a sort of like token 
like older person who though is like 55 still looks like really great for 55 (laughs) (laughs) just like shredded in the best shape of their life (laughs) yeah well and i think like that's what's like i think i can relate that to star wars too because harrison ford and mark hamill are both very attractive but even in, in like I don't think you ever see Harrison Ford's arms in no right maybe ever in his career. They're and in like then, head to toe sleeves in the Star Wars movies, <laughs> yeah. except for Leia, he, obviously. Right, and then even and with Mark Hamill when he's like training on Dagobah, you see like oh he's actually pretty buff, like he's he's in good shape, like he's you know he's buff. But once right. again, he's not shredded because it was the seventies, right? And they were like, yeah, just look like you're in decent shape. I feel yeah, like if if Dagobah Luke like fought against like Henry Cavill now, <laughs> you'd be like, oh well, this fight is over. <laughs> like if, if yes. it were in a movie, not if like those two people actually existed together and fought together. But I, I, I think maybe it's because like back then if. If, the, if you were a muscular uh, movie star, that was your shtick, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, right. uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone. Like, you had to, you, you, the, the fact that you were so muscular was... That was just your thing. <laughs> was your thing, and it was part of the movie. Whereas now, I'm pretty sure you could put Chris Evans in Captain America next to, like, Arnold in his first couple movies, and you'd be like, these are both... Yeah, bodybuilders. Like, yes, you know, like, right. <laughs> these are both people in, in the best shape of their lives. Right. Uh, you know what's anyway. funny too? Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, I don't think is. I, I think the most recent Mission Impossible Fallout, that Tom Cruise might be just as, if not far more, handsome than 1996 Tom Cruise. <laughs> I agree. I feel like Tom Cruise grew into his. Face his, like, teeth and his yeah, because <laughs> in this one, like I said, like he looks so young, and I mean he's not that young. What in '96 he was like what late 20s, early 30s maybe. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but but he looks sort of like like he hasn't grown into his body all the way. Like his head right. is sort of like separate from his yeah <laughs> body, and like you know, and having most recently watched him in like Edge of Tomorrow, Live Die mm. Repeat. Where he is, you know, jacked as all hell and like, you know, looks like a, a, a soldier. I was like, yeah, he looks like a little boy in this. Yeah, in this. Yeah. I was like, he's just a little boy. I think I went to high school with that guy. Yeah. Someone helped Tom Cruise. He looks he looks <laughs> like he needs a like a, a, a sandwich. He looks so small. <laughs> that poor um, man. So I, I don't really have many pros or cons in my head. The one so, that has come to mind, though, is um, this movie, of course, was directed by Brian De Palma. And my connection here is he and George Lucas on the same day did a big casting call to find their lead characters for both Carrie and Star Wars, respectively. Um, So, like, Carrie Fisher auditioned for both the role of Carrie in the movie Carrie and Princess Leia, and just both directors were there that day. That's kind of a cool thing. I wouldn't necessarily say that then that means Brian De Palma equals Star Wars, but it's a, it's a, like... It's like a, a Kevin Bacon style connection. Yeah. So we, uh, if it sounded like a weird transition there, it's because we lost the thing for a second. But the uh, that is very interesting. It is a little bit of a Kevin Bacon, oh, yeah. uh, as as Mike <laughs> just said. Um, what are my other notes? I, I didn't really take a lot of notes, but I. Let's see. Oh yeah, the bops, baby. We got bops in this uh, movie. Yes. Uh, what other than the Mission Impossible uh, theme song are you thinking of? Well, I was, the other thing I was going to say is um, I don't have any examples other than the Mission Impossible <laughs> theme song, but we also have our good friend Danny Elfman who did the score for this movie. And yes, w- uh, where what's your what's the point of that? 
Mike, we, you yourself on this very podcast have <laughs> referred to Danny Elfman as a poor man's John Williams. Oh, uh, yes, okay? I have. Okay. <laughs> so I don't want to hear the sass from you <laughs> pretending that I'm making up some stupid point. So this is like, to your the point you're making is this is a poor man's Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, people who can't afford Star Wars go and buy... <laughs> Go and buy a what's it called? What's this called? Mission Impossible. That's what it's yeah. called. Um, so that I, I really can't think of any other bops except for the theme song. But the theme song is instantly recognizable, uh, much like some of your star, some of the other uh, you know, Star Wars music. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Um. That's that's true. It's it's like kind of traditional film score. Um, let me think. So uh, here's a point against back to the De Palma thing. Okay. He made a really dynamic movie. He used a lot of like Dutch angles in the way they're supposed to be used, where you're kind of hinting that something is amiss as opposed to just like, it's cool that the camera's kind of sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also used at least at one point, one of those like split diopter lenses where like, two things at different lengths away from the camera in the room are in the same amount of focus Mm -hmm. when he's on the laptop and he sees the Bible like on the shelf across the room, they are both in focus in the screen. And in fact, you see a little like scar running through the middle of the frame where like the focus is being shifted because the lens being used is like like a Benjamin Franklin bifocal glasses kind of thing. Like there's two ah. different pieces of glass in the lens, different like you know refractive, whatever pieces of the same glass. Interesting, interesting, interesting. So that's cool, and that that is that is a con to Star Wars because Star Wars is like, all right, I'm gonna put a tripod here, and you're gonna run by and use your <laughs> laser sword. <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah, I mean the film the filmmaking techniques that they were using in Star Wars were more special that, that were ground that were brown breaking were more of your uh, special effects as opposed to just doing cool stuff, uh, right. <laughs> like artistic stuff with with you know cameras and everything. Not not like Mission Impossible. Yeah, this was a really well sh- like I thought it was well shot and it was cool. It was fun to watch. Like in general, I was like, even though I don't have like a lot invested in in the like this story, I was still like, hmm, yes, this is cool and good. I like it. Yeah, you know, I that actually brings up a good point because I never get too bogged down in story in these movies, which is kind of crazy because the story is at least good, like serviceable, but the movie is like you know. Heists and stunts and sneaking around. Hey, yeah. sneaking around. Um, sneaking but around. I, so Caitlin agreed that she would watch one of the Mission Impossible movies with me during this like little binge I'm doing, and I decided to watch Ghost Protocol with her, um, or ha- rather have her watch Ghost Protocol with me. Um, and afterwards, I was like, "Did you like it at all?" And she's like, "Yeah, I mean, some of the like set piece kind of things were cool, but like not really. I, I just uh, there." There's not really like a story. And I was like, yeah, right. And she was like, I, I don't know. I just kind of need that because I don't know what like the stakes are at all. They, I just know everyone needs to get the codes. <laughs> and, and that is like, that is kind of true even in this movie. Like the, the stakes are every secret agent in the world will be exposed basically, yes. which is like, okay. 
Yeah, we, we don't know them. I, I don't know them. Is, I only know my good friend Ethan Hunt. Yeah, which is funny, too. I mean, we'll get to this in a couple of months when we cover the third movie, but, like, the MacGuffin of that movie is never even explained, like, what its purpose <laughs> is. It's just called the rabbit's foot the whole time, and, like, you never learn what it is. <laughs> I See, that's the thing is I, I think uh, that might be another reason why these movies succeed and why they have such longevity is because there's not necessarily you don't necessarily have to get bogged down in plot. And so once it is that rinse and repeat of like, what's just some cool stuff we can do, right? you know, what's some cool set pieces, what's some cool action stuff. We've got a spy organization. We don't need to <laughs> super worry about like plot. Cause like I, I did have that thought similar to Caitlin at one point where I was like, I don't know which girl this is <laughs> like the one that was alive. Like later on, I was like, who is, which one is this? I know that, which that one is, is like, alive? that's a mistake. I think of that opening sequence. I think that sequence is like incredible, but everyone kind of looks the same. Yes. I was having that thought of and like, wow, like you could have saved yourself some confusion by just casting like a, you could have cast a more diverse set of actors, but B, you could have at least not cast like, th- like two or three women who are like pale with dark hair. <laughs> yes. That, that's what I was thinking. I was like, wow, some diversity of casting would have been great here. And I don't even mean diversity of casting of like, let's like if they had hired some people of like some, you know, some actors of color, that would have been amazing. Right. <laughs> but literally just people that had different color uh, hair yes, would have been right. cool too. Which like all I those mean, women. Did you see, um, oh God, what was the Christopher Nolan movie? The war one. Um, uh, uh, Dunkirk. Dunkirk, that's right. Did you see that movie? Yeah, it was great. Because they made like the point for all of the like soldiers in that sequence of scenes, like the Harry Styles scenes, to yes. all kind of look the same. And, and yes. it was sort of to sort of uh, like lean into the, the chaos and confusion, you know, like you don't know who's who and whatever. But watching yeah. the movie, I remember thinking like, who the fuck are these people (laughs) dude i had that feeling too and i didn't realize it was fucking harry styles for (laughs) the entire movie until the very end and i was like whoa why is he here i'm so confused (laughs) um but yeah i mean in that case there was sort of like a point to the fact they all looked alike and in that in the the case of mission impossible i very much felt like they really should have just like you know, mix it up a little bit. Cause I do, I have no, con- like when, when the the woman who came back to the safe house and was like, right. uh, we, they said to be back at four. I was like, which one are you? Yeah. I have no idea where you fit into the plan also, and why you're still alive. Why is she Ethan's age and is married to John Voight? <laughs> I, yes. That was my other question. I was like, John Voight, you're kind of gross. Like dude. Maybe that was an early giveaway. Like, Oh, this dude's bad news. He's like 80 and he has like a 30 year old <laughs> wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah, we should have known he was the bad guy right from the get-go. Yeah. You're like, this guy's gross. Man, this movie's so good. It It is, um, it's certainly much slower than the more recent movies. Um, and sure. it is more of a, like, you know, espionage thriller than a, um, like, action, action superhero-level yeah. movie. Well, uh, um, was, One sec, I have to get up really quick because I realize I haven't shut these doors, and I also need to get a coaster because my whiskey glass is just sweating. You can keep <laughs> this in. <laughs> okay, I'll just talk to myself for a second. Um, hey, listener, Mike's going to get a... A, a, a you know a coaster for his glass. We, you know, we we both like to occasionally imbibe an alcoholic beverage while we uh, do the podcast. Makes things kind of fun. Okay, I'm back. Uh, that was um, a burp from the cider I just drank. Oh, hey, Mike's back. Also, hey, Mike. So the uh, when I said my whiskey cup, I that's what I call my balls. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. They were sweating. <laughs> that. 
Um, are we at the point in time where we should go to a break? <laughs> yeah, I think we get. I've I, lost one, track I, with all of our cutting and changing. Yes. One more thing I want to. Yes. No. Please mention real quick. Though, just some cool filmmaking stuff that like. Uh, you know, I think that like the there is a very specific vision of this movie, at least for Mission Impossible. Like there is, I think, an artistic, artistic and directorial vision, uh, similar to Star Wars. But I think, like you said earlier, with like the cam, the certain camera techniques, there's also just some more artistic and cool stuff that you don't get in a Star Wars, uh, like with the telling of the story. And I really enjoyed like when John Voight's like telling him, oh, it's it's this guy that's the mole, not, you know, oh, no. And then he's going, Ethan's trying to go through it in his mind and you see what actually happened yeah. from John Voight's perspective for everything. And I was like, that's really cool because right now I can't tell if it's John Voight remembering it or if it's Ethan putting it together in his head that it is John Voight. Yeah, and that's it could a go super great way. scene. And so then later when when Ethan is like, I knew it all along. You're like, yeah, see what in that scene, it was him putting it together. That's really cool. Yeah. And I feel like because of, because Star Wars movies are so, you know, so plot based and sometimes maybe a little bit of character based in there, you right. don't get that kind of cool stuff outside of like a force vision or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, right. Like, so yeah, it's, I, it's I think like in the Harry Potter books where it's just like, blah, 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 blah. Harry said, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Hermione said. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but that's kind of, yeah, I think that, because of stuff like that and you know the, the sort of pros and cons we've mentioned like most blockbustery movies i feel like this starts kind of high and then we sort of take points away a little bit maybe yeah um, so it's sort of going down a little bit as you know away from that sort of seven mark that all blockbusters most of the <laughs> right. time get yeah i um, i think this is like sort of diverting quite a bit just because it's like so it's so polished and nuanced and yeah quiet Yes, which is weird when you think about Mission Impossible, but especially for this first one, it really is. Right. Uh, but yeah, we should jump to the pit, and then we can come back and play a game. Hell yeah. Let's go. Whee. And we're done. Mike. Back. We're back. <laughs> Mike, your mission, if you choose oh, to accept it. I, we should have said, and we're Max. <laughs> and we're Masks. Character? And we're masks, Max and Mask. Those are that both one thing I f- character, or those are both elements in the Mission Impossible yes. movies. Mask that was, and Max. That was one of the things I forgot to mention earlier. Is like one of my one of my notes was like these fucking masks. I'm like these are oh so- man, <laughs> like I are love those them. are those real things that exist in real life? Because that is a level of like like the fact they can just rip it off like that. I'm like that right. level of 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 uh clarity with those prosthetics is amazing and the fact that there's it's just a, rubber there's a youtube video i know there's like a series of these and in fact multiple publications do them so i don't remember which one this is but i want to say it's like wired or gq or something that it's like an actual expert breaks down scenes from movies and this one was um disguises and this woman is like a, a cia like disguise expert and so one of the clips they showed was like alias and it shows um, whatever the Jennifer is. Garner character's name is. Shoot, what's her name? Sydney Bristow. Sydney Bristow. Yeah, she's like running through a, like an airport or something and she just grabs stuff off of different tables and changes her look really quick and the expert was like, yeah, this this is a good, this is a good idea. Like, the quickest thing to do to change your appearance is change your hair color or change like yeah. what your clothes look like or whatever. But then they do show the Mission Impossible masks and she was like, there is like prosthesis worn in the field like you might have like a bigger nose or something that sure 
changes a part of you that makes it, you know, somewhat different to, as far as an identifier, but like a full face, obviously all prosthetics would be additive. So no matter how good the face mask looks, it will look like you are wearing a head on top of your head. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's what that was my thought. I was like, this is the head would always be too big. Right. You know? um, and that that led me to another thought I had during the movie where I was like, does stuff like this really happen? Like, I was like, mm, are there yeah. really super spies in the world? Because I know they're like our spies and that like sure. espionage is the thing. But I was like, has this has anything like this <laughs> ever actually happened? Or That's is funny because just... at the end of like the fourth one, Benji, the Simon Pegg character, says something to the degree of like, look at all these people. They have no idea. They have no idea that they were all just about to be blown up like just yeah. a matter of hours ago and they just keep living their life. <laughs> and like it, it, that that's that's my question i'm like i'm like is there someone who is on a high-speed train right now blowing up a helicopter <laughs> yeah. and almost getting chopped up by the blades to save the you know the the cover of all these agents in europe and right you know are there anyway anyway so mike your mission if you choose to accept <laughs> yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. is another round of these are riddles which <laughs> yeah. uh slash this one is sort of i realized while i was writing it is sort of jeopardy uh structured so okay. i'm gonna give you a, a statement and uh the the structure the sort of idea around this is i was like tom cruise ethan hunt are both ridiculous names of uh you know a, a sort of a normal first name and then like a verb that's so funny if the if the man's name was ethan hunt and he portrayed a character named tom cruise it wouldn't be any different <laughs> no exactly like either of those could be the name of a fictional super spy and you wouldn't blink an eye <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it got me thinking about like what are other action movie stars that have, uh, you know, similar names. And so we are going to play a round of these are riddles in which I will give you a clue that will give you uh, an idea <laughs> of what the last name uh, of the actor is. Okay. And then you have to tell me what it is. For example, this movie star likes to go on long, relaxing vacations on a big boat. So that would be Tom Cruise. Oh, oh, sure, a big boat. <laughs> yeah, a very big boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have no idea how hard these are going to be or how easy they're going to be, so we'll see how this goes. Yeah, great. Uh, but it, it basically if they're it's hard, be... that'll be fun for people listening because they might get it before I do. You know, like, I, I had that thought while we were doing um, Alex Blanked or Blankleton when I was listening back to that episode was like, man, I shouldn't have made this something where you had to buzz in because people might not have time to, like, while they're listening, you know, yeah. In their commute or whatever. Okay. So that was our. I'll give a beat. That was our example one. Yeah. 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 So um, basically, all of them are act. Most of them are. I would say all of these fall into the category of action movie star. They might not be only action movie stars, but they. Okay. So the one that I already have thought of in my head is not going to happen, which is Ben Folds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. He does not. He does not factor into this. Okay. First. First <laughs> okay. things first. And you can say. Like Jeopardy, you can say who is the actor. Great. You know? <laughs> okay. This actor likes to capture people in a structure with bars. This is going to be the test of how hard this is. Oh, okay. Uh, who is Nicolas Cage? Yes! <laughs> I was like, you know. uh, who is Brian in prison? <laughs> <laughs> okay. This one, is very, this one I like a lot. If this actor was playing the Oregon Trail video game, he would never take the ferry over the river. Uh, who is 
uh, Jeremiah Dysentery. <laughs> no, I actually think I know this. Is it Harrison Ford? It is, because you always got to ford the river, baby. You got to ford it. You got to. You can't waste money on the ferry. That would be stupid. Okay. You can't afford the ferry. You got to ford it. it yes. <laughs> um, I thought about doing afford, like the, like affording for him, but I was like, no, we're just going to do the river. Yeah. Okay. If he was alive during medieval times, this actor might have made weapons and armor from metal. Okay. Um. <laughs> Damn, I can't think of you. You have who is seen Anna any Nicole of... Smith? <laughs> Close. Oh, oh, I haven't seen any. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, who is William Smith? Yes, the Millennium himself. Will Smith. I knew it was Smith. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one might be really stupid and hard. I don't know. <laughs> this actor likes to vocally celebrate loudly in a way that a bird would. Hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna give you another clue here. This is what Peter Pan also does whenever he uh is. You uh, know, okay, good, cool. Because I was thinking, who is Ricky Tweet? But <laughs> I'm gonna walk that back, and I'm going to say, who is Russell Crowe? Yes, you got it. <laughs> this one's fun because I'm actually trying. Like, I'm not trying to trick you. I really want you to actually get them yeah, so I can yeah. like <laughs> prove to myself that I wrote a good clue. Right. Okay. When he's driving, this actor never has to worry about finding a spot to leave his vehicle. Uh, who is Audi Self Park? <laughs> no, but this, this actually is a Star Wars actor. Oh, okay, hang on, hang on. So he never has to worry about where, his, where to park his car, is that what you said? Yep, and you, you just said the word that I'm looking for, so what's the first name? Um, who is fresh off the boats, Randall Park? No, it's a Star Wars actor. <laughs> uh, 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 why have any... the fuck can't I come up with it? Oh, he... uh, uh, who is Ray Park? Yes, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> the Darth right. Maul actor performer. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, when he's, uh, when he plays Call of Duty, this actor is always camping far away from the actual action. Now, this is the question. Do you know what camping is? <laughs> I have, like, a sense of it. Okay, good. Um, who is Betty Cherry Pick? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're kind of close. Cherry Pick could be, like, like a that's synonym. that's the idea. Yeah. Why don't I know this, this word? So, it's, if I'm, if, if I'm, uh, so when, this, when he plays Call of Duty, this actor is always camping far away from the actual action. So if you're far away from the action in Call of Duty, you probably have a certain type of gun. Okay, like a sniper rifle? Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, oh, <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, who is Wesley Sniper Rifle? <laughs> yes, Wesley Sniper <laughs> Rifle, which uh, in his professional career was abbreviated to Wesley Snipes. Oh, uh, really? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. His birth name is Wesley Sniper Rifle. That's all <laughs> yeah. I knew. Do you remember that episode of 30 Rock? Uh, yeah. yeah, like her RIP. boyfriend's name is Wesley Snipes. Yeah, it's like a, what's his face? Martin, yeah, uh, whatever. Uh, Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen, and he's like, my name's, he's like Wesley Snipes, and he's like, what makes more sense for a person to be called Wesley, Wesley Snipes, me or that action movie star? <laughs> That's a good point. Okay, um, if you hire this actor, oh, sorry, if you have this actor working on your boat, you won't need anyone else. 
This one might be kind of a stretch. If you hire this actor to work on your boat, you might not need anybody else. Yeah. Who is Breaking Bad's Vince Gilligan? <laughs> no. Because honestly, sure, you need the millionaire, you need the professor, you need sure. Marianne. But if mm-hmm. you just had Gilligan, you don't need anybody else on that show. That's that true. Could be He's a, fun- a Bob Denver one-man show week after week. <laughs> He's the funniest part anyway. Um, um, I have a very specific memory of like one Gilligan's Island episode that I saw. I'm pretty sure I've only seen one in my entire life. And uh-huh. It was where they, they found like vegetables on the island that ended up being like super vegetables or something. <laughs> and like Gilligan ate like carrots and then he could like had like super eyesight. And he was oh like, there's a God. boat. And they're like, there, we don't see a boat. And he's like, but it's close. And like that's the only memory I have. I've seen that's the only memory um, I have. maybe a dozen or two of the, that's that's your only memory. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could remember uh, my family. At one one day, I was at uh, Half Price Books and I bought the season two DVD set because it was like six dollars or something. <laughs> and I was like, I loved this show when I would catch it like on TV Land or whatever. And I just still haven't even opened it. But um, that show is great. I remember like maybe six seven years ago when I was first living in Chicago and like wanting to do comedy and like writing and acting and improv. I was like, okay, I should write a sitcom pilot. And then yeah. I like, I thought about like, okay, what would make a good like sitcom? Like you'd have characters where you like know their deal, like right off the bat, you know, like the office. And then like, what would be a way to make sure those characters are always interacting with one another? Obviously like the workplace comedy has been like done to the nth degree, but like, what's a way to like make sure they're just trapped together. And I was like, oh my God. What if they were like on an eye? Oh, wow. They came up <laughs> with the perfect sitcom in like the 50s. <laughs> yep, yep. That they literally like tell you all of their shtick in the theme song and then they're all stuck together on an island. <laughs> that sounds like me and Dave Reddick coming up with Oliver and Company, the musical, oh, right. and not realizing it was just <laughs> right. o- Oliver, the musical. They've done that. Um, okay, uh, we'll, but keep, to we'll answer, continue. To, uh, to, answer the, the, to answer this one, yes. just, we, it's already been so long, I'm just going to say it. It's Terry Crews. Because, oh, uh, but but whole... different. C R E W S, not C R U I S E. Right. There's there's a lot of boat related ones. I'm realizing. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so when traveling, this actor is not content to just take any plane. And this Mm. one's kind of tricky because it's his first name, not his last name. Okay, this is going to be Charter Tatum. I like these imaginary <laughs> names you're making up. I, I'm uh, trying to think of uh, 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 okay, so like first class or like not Jet like... Jet Lucas. Ooh! No. Jet uh Jet Lee. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's another boat one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if your boat is sinking, you can trust this actor to help out. I got this all day long. It is who is Christian Bucket of Water. <laughs> uh, got it in one. That was actually also his Christian name, and they changed. he changed it when he went into show business. Christian um, was his Christian name? Yeah, Christian was his Christian name, and, and Bale was his Bale name. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, uh, if, I, if my name was Christian, I'd say, it, I'd say it was my Christian name all the time. Yeah, that, so is, a, if you're, that is a very cute joke. <laughs> If you're if you're out there and your name is Christian and you're not using that, you can have that one. Yeah, for you gotta free. use it. You you especially if uh if your if your name is Christian but you go by Chris or you go by yes. like you know, if someone's like, Oh, is that short for something? You or can say, Chen. Well, my Christian name is Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Mike, this one's dumb. 
So this, <laughs> Are you talking this about the a- game or this particular one? B- both. So <laughs> this actor never schedules appointments. Okay, hang on. Oh, I got it. I got it. Uh, who is uh, Christopher <laughs> is spontaneous. <laughs> yeah, he's always just like getting up and going places, you yeah. know. No, he doesn't give no. a shit. Christopher walk in. That's correct. Uh, all right, we got a few more. Uh, if you're really going through a stormy time in your life, this actor will help out. This one might be a stretch. Um, no, I think I got it. Who is um Benjamin Umbrella? Um, <laughs> I would have accepted. I would have accepted Rihanna's Umbrella. Okay, um, but no. Um, but uh, also, this the, the other the alternate clue I could have given was this actor likes to learn about geology and specifically the thing that comes before erosion. <laughs> before erosion. Uh. The other clue I could have given was this actor <laughs> could work at a, a a local TV station doing a certain kind of reporting uh, in front of a green screen. <laughs> like meteorology? The, the other, the, or... Yeah, the, the other clue I could have given was this actor was in, I think, the Predator movies? I don't remember. And he also was on Arrested Development as oh, himself, as, himself. as a joke. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Who is Carl Weathers? Yeah, you know, weathering the storm, you're going you're through a right. hard time. Yes, and before <laughs> erosion, the, the soil weathers. Yeah. Okay, a few more. <laughs> if you have a hankering for something, this actor knows how you feel. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, the, the thought that immediately came to mind, which I feel like I'm not right, but is it who is Wes Craven? No, but that's good. <laughs> that's probably because that's a, like a director, what... isn't it? Yeah, it's a director. Uh, if you have a hankering for something, yeah. What, what's like a what's another slang term for like when you have a hankering for something? Well, crave was what came to my <laughs> mind. Um, uh, or like fuck, I don't know. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember a certain popular brand of soda that had like cool pictures on it? Sierra Mist. Um. No. <laughs> oh, oh, I do know. I do know what you're talking about. Okay, got it. Who is Monty Python's Terry Jones? <laughs> I, I'll allow it because it was Tommy Lee I'm, Jones, but you know, Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Terry Jones had his his action moments. <laughs> I got two more, <laughs> and the last one is possibly the worst one, and the, har- <laughs> and the hardest one. You got a uh, hankering for something. You know when you have a hankering for something. <laughs> you know when you're really when you're really Tommy Lee Jones in for something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how everyone should say it from now on. If you're ever going to say Jones, you have to say Tommy Lee Jones. Yes, that's that's canon. <laughs> that's can that's canon in the world. Yeah. Um, so this actor canon. is no <laughs> This actor is notorious for having passionate crushes on people. <laughs> um passionate crushes on people. Um who is Cupid infatuation? <laughs> no, no, not we're not talking about uh, Roman movie stars. Oh right, right. Shoot, I always, I always mix up my contemporary movie stars with my Roman <laughs> movie stars. Uh, <laughs> you know, like passionate you crushes, might, and you might do this from afar. You know, whenever you're like in love with someone from afar. Yeah, like you long. Like, is it Justin Long? <laughs> it, that's also a good one, but no. 
Because <laughs> he was in one of the diehards, maybe. Now, there's also another clue could be... Oh, know, oh, 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 no, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Who is Christopher Conifer? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <Yeah>. Pine. <laughs> yes, Christopher Pine. We are actually learning the, the Christian names of a lot of these people. Uh, and his yeah. Christian name is actually Christian Pine Nifer. Christian Conifer. Conifer. <laughs> there was like... Do you remember in school, like, if you're in <laughs> biology, like, there's... What was that freaking word? There's like a word about that, that describes trees that has the word sperm in it. And then like we would read it in class and like the funny guys, like the shitty football guys would be like spermazote or whatever. Yeah, right. I got to look Hot this up real sperm. Quick. <laughs> is that what the term is? No, oh, I do I'm know what you're up. talking about. Here's a fun thing that I do when I am the host of a Storytown show, which is a improv show for children. Um, I will get the audience to all do an activity with me to sort of show, like, during the show, we might come to you guys and ask you to, you know, be seaweed or be fish or whatever. And the example I always use is, everybody be a tree. And then they all kind of put their arms straight out. And I say, you know, great. I see a lot of deciduous trees. You could also be coniferous. And, of course, I then use my hands and point, make a point above my head, sort of like the A of YMCA. And... Mm-hmm. um. Every once in a while, one parent will snicker. <laughs> <laughs> the, so I just looked it up, and it's uh, the g- gymnosperms and angiosperms. Ah, uh, yes. Which I don't. Which is whenever uh, seed is without an ovum, an ovary. I mean, it's with an ovary. So anyway, back to the right. last question of my bad game. I feel like okay. Angie O. Sperm should be a drag queen name. You know what oh. other name I thought of today, and I'll just say it here because I'm not going to ever use it because I probably will never be a drag queen. And I looked it up, and some other people have thought of this joke, but I didn't quite find a drag queen who's using this name. But I like this idea. Please welcome to the stage. She has a certain thing about her. Jenna, say qua. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's very fun. And I'm patting myself on the back right now. Let's hear your question. <laughs> okay. This is the last one, and it might be the worst. And in the one, <laughs> yeah. and, and maybe the hardest, but we'll see. If you were British and you <laughs> have existed, you might identify with this actor. <laughs> if I specifically were British... No, if anybody, if anybody oh, was Brit, if anybody was British and they uh-huh. have existed at any point, they might identify with this actor. Hmm. The the participle, the, the tense of this is important. Yeah, like to have existed. Yes. Like was. No, but you're in the ballpark. B. Uh, <gasps> huh? B. B. Ben but have. Bean. Yes, but, but if you're British, yes. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Who is Seen Bean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our good friend Seen Bean from every uh, from National Treasure, Book of Secrets. I mean, the first one. <laughs> yeah, no, the first one. I I like how um you could have just gone the sort of legume route, but because no. you established this game as a verb tense game, <laughs> you stuck to verbs and decided that that's the British pronunciation. Yeah. I, I'm following your train of thought now. There, yeah, there, I, I tried to stick with <laughs> verbs. Some other people I wrote down that I was like, this might be a stretch, was Lawrence Fishburne, which I was going to have to <laughs> do something complicated about specifically burning a fish. Yeah, and I was like, that might overcooked be seafood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gerard Butler and I was like, I don't think you can buttle or butler as a verb. Yeah, I, think you I don't buttle. think that's a thing. Right. Um, 
uh, Patrick Stewart as well. I was like, I mean, the Stewart <laughs> of a place, maybe, but I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know for sure. Um, and then uh, Bill Pullman, which I was like, if you pull a man, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. So yeah, there, that's just a little peek behind the curtain, but that was another round of These Are Riddles These slash are um, we got a, we got a couple more minutes though to do any final pros and cons about this flick. Yeah, man. I so we we didn't really cover a lot of things in the way that we sometimes do. You know, like when Colleen gave us an entire laundry list for Chili. Like that was that was very thorough. I feel like we haven't been terribly thorough with this movie, but just as a gut reaction, because that's always sort of what it comes down to at the end of the show, is like it feels too like. Um, I, good is too like small of a word, but it feels too like um, it's I, obviously pointed. it's like a blockbustery like crowd pleasing movie, but it does feel like a little sort of elite compared to yeah. a Star Wars movie. Like it feels a little smarter. Th- maybe this is movie, the word I'm looking for. Yeah, the word that comes to mind for me is this feels like this movie is like very pointed and yeah like, has a specific goal of what it wants to accomplish and it once again is not telling a story so much as as it is telling as sort of connected scenes of cool shit you know right which is probably to its advantage and also to its you know disadvantage because like you know for instance like caitlin didn't enjoy it because it didn't have a story and that's probably these movies will bounce off people who really you know need a plot to grab onto right but if you come into it just being like yeah, this is cool. It's fun. It's cool spy shit. Then you know what this movie made me think of of the ones we've covered before. Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, it's very. And I was thinking, I was like, wow, heist movies and spy movies are kind of the same. Thing. Yes, because they're essentially doing the same beats of like, here's the plan. Here's they have the a team. They gotta get the codes. <laughs> yeah, and then they pull they pull the plan off, and then some something bad happens. But it turns out that was a part of the plan the whole time. Right, and like. I was like, wow, these are similar like genres of movies. I didn't realize that until I watched Mission Impossible today. That's actually why I'm really excited to talk about Ghost Protocol when we inevitably get there because in that movie, like fucking nothing goes right for them. Like yeah. all their tech breaks, they get disavowed, they, you know, like everything goes wrong. And so that movie, you still get like the fun and the excitement of that kind of like just that like wish fulfillment hit of like doing a heist, you know, getting the team together and someone's hacking into the mainframe, <laughs> but like, gotta get the codes, but they also have to work as a team to like get out of like a bad situation. And this movie is obviously all these movies have re- rely on like the Supreme intellect and like, uh, adrenaline junkie that is Ethan hunt. Um, yes. And not just all the like tech and making sure the plan all goes well. It it also requires some of that like improvisation. Um, but yeah, I I agree. I I the I I could watch these movies every day. I I should probably just get on like a cycle where once a month I either watch one of the Ocean's movies or this movie, like these movies. <laughs> yes. I, or you know, the you, early 2000s, The Italian Job. <laughs> which I also was, really like, enjoyed. Which was a real favorite of mine as a, as a teen. I think the only, like, I feel like the only non-Ethan Hunt character that stands out is Ving Rhames because he's, like, a fun, anti, like, different stereotype of, like, this really buff-ass guy. And they're like, oh, but yeah. no, no, no. He does computers. And you're like, right. what? 
<laughs> how, how what the buff guy does computers <laughs> how did they do that and like he he kind of stands out. and he's also i think maybe more fun than some of the other like i guess also because he's the only one that survives till the end so like right they, it makes sense that he's more memorable than the three brunette fair-skinned <laughs> women in the beginning <laughs> who i will never remember their names yeah no me neither I refuse. Yeah, oh, I here's like another this... thing about this movie. Kittredge, the guy who thinks Ethan is behind all the fuckery, and he's not. So he's not necessarily uh-huh. the enemy, but he is his enemy that whole time. Uh, he's apparently going to be in the new movies. Oh. Like seven and eight, or at least seven, perhaps. That's truly wild that there's so many and that they're still making more. What a It's crazy funny, too, that they would bother with that character because he's sort of like the head of the agency or whatever, and then that role changes in almost every movie. In the second one, it's Anthony Hopkins, and the third one, it's Lawrence Fishburne. Like, it just jumps around. <laughs> well, that was something I kind of didn't realize, too, when I was watching this first one, as I was like, wow, Ethan like Hunt is really the only consistent piece of these movies. And I know like characters totally. come back like uh, uh, from movie to movie, but I was like, he is the linchpin. There's not like a core squad because they're always like having to recruit somebody new, which is fun. I think it's also one of the reasons why these movies do well. Right. That That's actually funny though that you bring it up. Obviously it would not necessarily be prudent to make that a point pro or con for this one movie, but it worth mentioning that these movies as a franchise um, completely like it, it was it there was one movie made and it was good and then there could have just never been another and then someone made another and it was kind of bad and then there probably shouldn't have been another after that and then someone else came around and sort of rebooted it and his name is J.J. Abrams and it was very good and serviceable and then you know like the the directors keep kind of it changed hands for so long that it's not very Star Wars because the majority of the lifetime of Star Wars was the George Lucas vision. And then only now has it become this like changing hands thing. Um, Wait, did JJ Abrams reboot mission impossible? Yeah, he did mission impossible three. That's why. And then he's been like his, you know, bad robot has been a production company on all of the movies since then. Um, Man, we were really giving old JJ just anything back in the day, huh? Dude, that was his first feature film. He had just come off no of, way. like, Alias and stuff, and he did that movie, and it was, like, really good, like, for what it is. I'm, I'm excited to talk about that, too, because um, it is its own little thing. Um, yeah. And and he it was great. <laughs> and, like, but is that the one... to that end, they've only oh. just started kind of honing in on, like, what the vision of these movies is moving forward. Like, four kind of started like solidifying but it was five and six that were just like this is what mission impossible is it's all those other movies but here's the parts of those movies that we're really going to lean into like they basically threw away mission impossible 2 except for all the motorcycle stunts (laughs) (laughs) they're like this works we love motorcycles right um yeah that's that's that i'm i'm like having this yet like fucking Alias was mentioned on like another podcast list recently and I'm like Uh I kind of want to go back and watch Alias because my parents watched Alias and that was one of the shows that like we would occasionally watch when we were like you know there at home with them and I remember being like this is great also Jennifer Garner is the most beautiful woman in the world (laughs) and I'm uh, like 11 and don't know what to do with my boner right now (laughs) 
and like I have a very specific memory of like an early thousands like thong cleavage thing, right. like you know where the the low the low slung pants yeah. and just the thong peaking. And I just remember seeing that and being like, uh, <laughs> I have to go. If I was Catholic, I would confess, <laughs> but I'm not. Yeah, I watched a portion um, of that the- much later, like after it was off the air, because I remember like my dad watched it, and I remember thinking like this show looks so cool. But only after I was it was years. It was maybe its last season that I finally realized like oh this looks like a cool show and I I just kind of yeah. missed it. I, I I just like it's it's crazy to me that like what what an interesting time that was because like yeah JJ JJ Abrams did Alias and Lost and then Hollywood was like you can do every whatever the fuck you want now we're gonna give right. you every franchise Mission Impossible Star Trek Star Wars like. And it's not even that he necessarily has a proven track record with movies because they have been hit or miss. Well, I wonder if um, Mission Impossible 3 sort of did sign his blank check a little bit because like... Yeah, I guess he did kind of, yeah. It's good. It's, it's not yeah. like perfect, but it's good. And it, it, it's reminding me of like, once again, I've just been watching a lot of Buffy with Charlie. And so like <laughs> Buffy's like always on my mind. And my phone keeps giving me like recommended articles about how shitty Joss Whedon is. And I'm like, I know. But it's reminding me of that sort of thing of like your you're sort of like visionary or like singular vision TV filmmaker that then after that, they were like, you can do whatever you want. Here's the keys to Hollywood. And with Joss Whedon, it was a little later with like Avengers and everything. And then now it's like coming out you know, uh, far after the fact where like people have known Joss Whedon was kind of a shitty human being for a long time, but like the, with the whole, oh, gosh, who do we, we talked about this recently. I think with Ethan, I don't know if we talked about it on the episode, but there's like the Snyder cut of justice league. Right. that's going to be released on HBO max. And I'm like, guys, that's not going to be good either. It was a bad movie in the first place, but all like the DC movie stands are like, Joss Whedon is what ruined Justice League because <laughs> he came in and finished filming it. And so, like, there's all this stuff coming about how shitty he was. And I'm like, it's just wild that, like, there was a time when all you, like, if you had a really good TV show, they were like, here, you can do whatever the fuck you want now. And I don't know if we, I guess, I guess I'm trying to think of, like, I guess that still kind of happens because you have, like, the Russo brothers who came out of just basically directing TV series and, like, Lord Miller a little bit too. But, that's just an interesting career path to me where it's like, hey, you're going to do this show and then we're going to give you one of the biggest franchises on the planet. Like, yeah. It seems like such a big swing of a thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is kind of weird. It's weird, um, Mike. But so I'm going to lean into, I don't, I, again, I don't know like what time we are in the show now because my shit is all off. We can probably, yeah, we can probably wrap up a little bit. We should probably rate So I'm going to, I'm going to go back to that thought of like, they eventually landed on what Mission Impossible like ought to be. And it seems like Star Wars did the exact opposite. George Lucas was like, mm. it's this. And then it varied ever so slightly in the first few movies. And then he went away for a while and then he was like, actually, it's also this. And he gave us the prequels. And then eventually other people got involved and did TV shows and video games and books and uh, the new Disney movies. And it's just become, actually, it's this. Actually, it's this. And it's it's sort of like spread almost like a tree. Whereas Mission Impossible yeah. went from like leaves down to trunk and it's been like completely condensed. And it's like, it is this. These are, This is what a Mission Impossible movie is, which is the like Macquarie and Tom Cruise duo. Um, and yeah, so they distilled to that it down end, to its purest form. I think the franchise, not to like, we'll, we'll come back to it as we review these movies, but I think the franchise is like central kind of like 
evolution is the opposite of Star Wars, which doesn't mean it's not yeah. Star Wars, but it's like conversely Star Wars. Um, yeah. And, and because of that, this movie being like a singular vision, it may be somewhat a new hopish, but I'm not seeing it as being like Star Wars chili. Yeah. I, I think that I think I'm probably ready to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. To. I think I am too. Okay. My rating is going to be, this is another thing I forgot to talk about, but my rating is going to be cool uh, late 90s computer screen operating systems. Because uh, <laughs> when I was watching this movie, I was like, I wish computers still looked like this. This is so great. Yeah. It's just like, it just took me back to such a specific time and place. And I was like, I I kind of hate how like clean like and like smooth everything is now <laughs> because of like, you know, Apple dominating for so long. I'm like, give me a crunchy computer screen <laughs> with like with buttons a bad that font. look like you can click them, like that you can touch yeah. it with your hand. <laughs> yeah, give me a big old button just to like <laughs> mash on. That is what I want. Big old um, button. <laughs> give me a button, baby. That's what I want. But uh, so mine's going to be those. And I'm going to give it, I think I'm just going to give it a five, five old timey. 90s computer screen. That's exactly where my head was at, and my unit of measure is going to be um, vent du- ductwork rats. Because <laughs> do rats live in ducts? I can't imagine they that 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 makes any sense, especially at Langley. Like bad, <laughs> yeah, it seems like a bad place for them to live because you could you would either be way too cold or way too hot. Yeah, and I. I feel like if you were a little rat, you would be like, this is not the best place for me to be. Yeah. So I'm going to, I am also going to give it a five. I think it's like, it's got that sort of blockbuster movie, like benchmark, which is itself sort of like a five. And that's kind of the similarity to me. It It's, yeah, you know, it's sure. got a team. It's got, it's got things that you could sort of stretch to make be Star Wars. But I think it's like a much more like elegant spy movie than a like, flashy laser sword movie. I think that's a good, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It's very much, it's more, it's much more streamlined. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a five. So this is our first Mission Impossible movie and it is a five. Uh, oh. how Star Wars it is. And what we need to do now, this will be a quick one because we've only covered one so far, but I would also love to make our, our shows slash each of ours individual rankings of the Mission Impossible movies. We can either, we can do it in two ways. We can, we can each say our own rankings of like how good they are. And then we can also say the Hasui ranking in terms of how Star Wars the movie is. So obviously we only have one in our slot right now. So right now for both of us, our favorite and our least favorite Mission Impossible movie is Mission Impossible. Yes. And also the most and subsequently the least Star Wars Mission Impossible movie thus far is Mission Impossible. Yes. I'm going to make a a five. I'm going to make a note on my computer right now. So that it's a five? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a five, and it is also currently in first and last place. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we should probably, I think we can go ahead and wrap up at this point. Yeah, I, I truly have no sense of if we've already been going for like an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> so if you do you want us on the internet? Because if you do, you can find us at How Star Wars Is It on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us at agoodpodcast at gmail.com. Um, yes, I am at WordGospel09 on tw- uh, Instagram and on YouTube. I'm also at MikeGospel on Twitter. I'm and at the check Josiah out my. Man. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you go. 
I was just going to say, check out my, like, toys and shit. But again, like, I know that I've recently said that those will probably be available. But until I can go to work and, quote-unquote, borrow my printer to make shipping labels, I will not be making them available to be purchased <laughs> just yet. Because your boy doesn't have a printer. Yeah, come on. Um, I'm at the Josiah Man on stuff. You can go to my website, josiahrobinson.biz, to hire me for shit. I got an audiobook coming out. It's called The Code. If your AI loses ah. its mind, can it take meds? It's a long subtitle, but it's a cool book. Um, you can hear me doing an Australian accent, a Louisiana accent, a German accent, a British accent, a Cockney accent, and a regular American one. Oh, fuck yeah. And you can tell me how bad most of them are. But you know what? I got paid for it, so whatever. Send your hate somewhere else. So you're telling people out there that they got to get the code. They gotta get the code. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be my. That's gonna be my. T- I, I similar to the Mission Impossible <laughs> movies. I am telling you, you gotta get the code. All right, you gotta <laughs> get it. I don't know exactly. It might be out at this point uh, on I think Audible or where, uh, whatever that one is. But check it out. And if you don't want to listen to it, then read it because it's pretty fun. Uh, but anyway, I think that's everything. So it's about time for Tell Me Bye Bye. Yeah, I'd say so. Well, then, like we always say, we, we love you. you. And may the fourth be with you. Bye. I'm gonna do the whole next episode on my Australian accent. 